Coming up on this week's show, Trish Barnaby is here to tell us about the final book in the Survivor series and her farewell to JP Tour. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome to episode 76 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamsrides.com. And as always, I'm Will from willcanals.com. This week's episode is sponsored in part by listeners just like you. We'll have more information on how you can help support this show in just a few moments. Happy spring to you, sir. Happy spring. Happy spring to everyone listening. I hope you're having fun digging out from <laughs> most likely the snow. Everyone I know on social media is like a, like a crap load of snow. To yeah, do. not many people appreciate their weather from the past week, so hopefully spring will be better. No. We can hope. There's one person I know who was at the beach last week and seemed to have a fairly decent time, but everybody else Well, was. damn them to hell. <laughs> or good for them for going to the right place. <laughs> they were smarter than everybody else. They were else. smarter than all of us. <laughs> oh, yeah, kind of crazy out there. Okay, so tell us about your week. So, I traveled this week. Yes, you did. I was in L.A., but I was still cranking away on various things. I finally completed the edits uh, to Codename Winger number one this very morning, mere hours ago. Mm -hmm. Sent them back off on the, over to Harmony, Inc. Uh, they were rough. I've talked about that the last couple episodes. And while they were rough, I know they're going to make the book better. So, that's good. And make me a better writer, which is also good. So, they're off. We're back on track. Hopefully they will not come back awful for round three. I don't see how they possibly could. Anyway, also had a great meeting this week with Poppy Dennison. You know, Poppy's on the show a lot in both her capacity as an author and as DreamSpender's marketing director. And she and I have been hatching plans since the author workshop, which was just a short couple weeks ago, uh, to make the Somewhere on Mackinac book launch my biggest book launch ever. Mm -hmm. And so that has been... Uh, interesting talking to her to figure out how to boost my reach, boost my audience, and really go for a release that is the biggest one that I've ever had. So we'll keep talking about that on the show, because for the authors who listen, they, it could be interesting for them to kind of know how all this goes. I learned a lot about Facebook ads this week, the whole big monstrosity that is trying to place a Facebook ad. So, yeah, I probably placed one this week as a test. And we'll see how that goes. Cool. Yeah. It's, it's fun stuff. So we should also congratulate Robert Jen, Wax Apple Lover. I love your name. That's so cool. Even though it's an alias. And Jay, who are four of the five winners of Foxtail, uh, the audiobook from Haley Walsh and Joel Leslie. We're still working, looking for that fifth winner. Uh, I have, I've had a couple people now not respond to emails saying, hey, you're a winner. Which I think is weird and, and kind of sad, but... Congratulations to the four of you who've already gotten your Audible code. Hope you're enjoying the book. And we'll keep trying to get in touch with that fifth winner. Awesome. Yeah. Check your inboxes, people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last week, we had a lot of fun. We recorded the bonus episode for our Patreon supporters. Bonus, 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 bonus. Uh, we released that very special episode <laughs> on Pi Day, the 14th. Mm-hmm. And we ended up discussing Pi... 
we and dinosaurs and yes i i went on far too long about dinosaur movies because pie and dinosaurs goes together <laughs> and we also had some bonus content from some authors that are coming up in future episodes of the podcast so i hope all of our patreon supporters enjoyed that and if you would like to get in and all the action you too can join us uh in all the fun at patreon.com all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash big gay fiction podcast to uh help support the show for as little as a dollar a month Mm -hmm. that's like crazy cheap it is super duper crazy cheap and whenever you get in on it you can go back and look at the now we have two bonus episodes over there Mm -hmm. and every month of course that we're fully funded we'll continue to make bonus episodes yes so patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash Big Gate Fiction Podcast. Be sure and check it out when you have the chance. No matter the playing field, these all-star athletes know how to score. Announcing the Big Gate Fiction Podcast Hot Jocks Paperback Giveaway. We're giving you a chance to win a prize package filled with sizzling contemporary sports romances. If you can't get enough of bad boy football players, rugged hockey hunks, or sweaty soccer studs, you're not going to want to miss this. The prize pack includes autographed copies of Tight End by Devin McCormick, Breakaway by Avon Gale, and Back Off, That's My Jock by Wade Kelly. To enter, go to the show notes page for this episode at BigGayFictionPodcast.com or visit the official giveaway page at BigGayFictionPodcast.com slash jocks. You want to win this amazing prize pack? Then get your head in the game and go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com slash jocks before the Rafflecopter ends on April 9th. So this week on the, the 14th, which was Pi Day, in case you forgot, <gasps> uh, the finalists for the 29th Annual Lambda Literary Awards were announced. And we want to give congratulations to a few of our podcast guests who were among the finalists that were announced. Uh, Joe Okonkwo, who was with us in episode 38, uh, was nominated for his Jazz Moon uh, in the gay fiction category. Um... Excuse me. In the LGBTQ children slash young adult category, Jeff Garvin's Symptoms of Being Human was nominated. Jeff was with us in episode 30. And Richard Compton Sater's Rank is one of the nominees in the gay romance category. Also one of my most favorite books out of last year. Uh, he was with us in episode 66. Uh, so you could check those out if you want to go back into the previous episodes and listen to their interviews. I uh, also want to give a shout out to the other gay romance finalists, uh, Penae Henson, Alexis Hall, Marshall Thornton, Jeff Mann, Lisa Henry, Garrett Lay, and Jamie Deacon. Over on the romance side for lesbians, uh, Yoshiyuki Lee, hope I pronounced that right, uh, Barbara Ann Wright, uh, Karama Kingsley, Lilla Bruce, Kiki Archer, Susan Wittig-Albert, Rachel Spangler, and Marianne K. Martin. Congratulations to all of you. Now, all of the romance books uh, and the books from our podcast guests are all linked up in the show notes this week if you want to go searching those out. And the Lammies will be presented in New York on Monday, June 12th. You can see the finalists from all 23 categories at landoliterary.org or just use the direct link that we stuck in the show notes for you. Congratulations to all the nominees. That was awesome. Indeed. And in related news, um, there will be a signing at the Ripped Bodice in Culver City. The lovely romance ladies from Bold Strokes Books will be signing on Saturday, April 8th, 
from 4 to 5.30 p.m. Uh, featuring uh, Janine Levig. I think you did good there. Lisa Moreau, <laughs> Abel Rice, and Casey Richardson. <laughs> you can learn all about the event and RSVP at theripbodicesla.com. And if you want to go, make sure you RSVP. I was visiting with Leah earlier this week while I was down there. Snapped a cute picture. Well, I think it's cute. It's actually mostly my big head uh, with our sponsored placard. Yes. Uh, but anyway, if you want to go, make sure you RSVP because the RSVP list does matter. They were telling me that they were doing a, a signing just yesterday with several authors. And they had more than 300 people RSVPing to that event. They were expecting some people like outside the door and stuff. So RSVP to make sure you get in. We have books to review. You want to kick things off? I will kick things off. Okay. So I managed to get through two this week, uh, even though I was traveling. I uh, was thrilled to read uh, Jordan Nasser's This Fire Inside, which came out last week, or two weeks ago. Recently, uh, this book picks up towards the end of the summer break, following the, end, the events that happened in book two, which was The Fire Went Wild. Uh, Derek and Luke are headed off to New York City before school goes back. Uh, they're going to visit some of Derek's old friends, and they also happen to catch up with one of Luke's uh, best friends from high school, whose name is Fletch. Uh, Fletch was, to me, every Southern stereotype I've ever seen. I actually know people like Fletch. Uh, with his big, bold, brash personality, who dominates a room, and uh, dominates over... Uh, Luke as well. There was a lot of history between these two in high school and college, and it actually is a fairly huge disruption to the relationship between Derek and Luke. And uh, it was it was fascinating to read as it went through and, and it rippled through their romance. Uh, Derek also starts a new job. He takes over a catering business, which has all kinds of fun ramifications to read. Uh, one of the parts of the book that I love the most. Uh, was that Derek's Uncle Barry found a relationship okay. and found love, which just warmed me to pieces, and I would love to see a whole book about that. I know to develop it fully, that you'd have to go backwards in the timeline of the series, but I would love that anyway, because these two were adorable together. Um, and of course, all of the Parkville folks are back. His Scooby Gang's back. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I gave it five stars on Goodreads. Uh, but I will throw out there for the true romance diehards, this book kind of highlights the reason why you don't typically do a series where your same couple is front and center because there's serious disruption in the relationship in this book. So there you go. If you're a, if you're a diehard for the tropes, you're going to have a hard time with this, but I loved it. Good. Uh, other book I read is Ariel Tokna's A Matchless Man. Now you read this... Previously, and you loved it. You inter you reviewed it somewhere in some back episode. Yes, I did. Uh, I picked up the audiobook this week because I had to take a road trip. Uh, this was delightful. I loved her first book in the Lexington Lovers series, which was Unstable Stud. Uh, Matchless Man is one of the, I'd say, one of the best romances I've read in a while. I really loved that we had a, uh, a main character who was not typical white male. Here he, we have an Indian uh, doctor who has come back to Lexington after being away from medical school and his residency and his fellowships and all this stuff. And he's finally come back. He's getting a second chance with uh, someone he was a friend with in high school, crushed on a little bit. 
I love the fact that he also helps out his uh, younger brother, who is a special needs, who has special needs because of some birth defects that he had. Uh, the growth between the two brothers almost overshadowed the romance for me, and I was okay with that because I really enjoyed that story. But ultimately, the the story that grew between Navishan and Brent. I loved it a lot because it was a very slow burn early on because Brent's actually trying to set up Navishin with other people for a while before they both realized that those two need to be together. And once it took off, it really took off well, uh, despite some of the obstacles that were sitting there. So really, really loved A Matchless Man from Ariel Tata. And we'll have her on the show in a few weeks. She's got a third book in the Lexington Lovers series coming out in May. Awesome. Yeah. Look forward to that. Uh, this week, I finished uh, Riley Hart and Devin McCormick's Faking It. Um, this is the first book in the Metropolis series. And essentially, it is the story between nice guy Gary and hot guy Travis. Uh, they both happen to live in the same uh, condo apartment complex, Metropolis. Um, and this is the first book in the Metropolis series. Uh, each book will uh, explore the romance between uh, different characters all, who all live in this one central location in Atlanta. <clears throat> so, Gary has been unceremoniously dumped by a jerk and is feeling down in the dumps. Oh. Uh, tr- hot guy Travis uh, is a masseuse who's trying to like jumpstart his own business and they decide that they need each other and the pretense of a relationship to get what they want now gary wants this fake relationship uh i.e dating a really hot guy to make his ex really super jealous because you know his ex lives in the area and they see each other all the time so why the hell not and travis needs uh, the pretense uh, of a relationship to look more stable uh, so that he can get some money to uh, uh, start his um, a massage business. He wants a, a central location mm-hmm. so he doesn't have to, like, you know, travel all the time. So they, they start, you know, with the fake relationship uh, and then they, you know, fool around, you know, figuring, you know, well, you know, a little hot sex on the side. That's not going to, you know, you know, that's not going to be a big deal anyway. And so, but, you know, then, of course, over the course of their story, they realize it's more than just a relationship of convenience. They might actually have feelings for one another. Uh, and the story is really about them learning to trust and love again after uh, some issues that they've had in their past. So I really enjoyed this book. Uh, really kicks off the series in a terrific way. I highly recommend Faking It by Riley Hart and Devin McCormick. Cool. I need to read that or tight end. I need to get a Devin McCormick book under my belt soon. Mm-hmm. Now you watched a movie while I was gone too. Yes, while you were gone, I checked out Love Between the Covers. It was a documentary that came out last year. Uh, and it's, it's essentially an overview of the romance genre as a whole. Um, uh, it's really, really good. It's a pretty standard documentary, you know, talking head interview style kind of a thing. Uh, enjoyable. Um, it covers, you know, you know, some of the, the basics 
uh, of, you know, like, what is, you know, what is the romance genre? Why is it so popular? Why are fans so, you know, ravenously consuming these books? That kind of thing. Uh, but in between some of that, you know, basic stuff, there's some really wonderful interviews with, you know, people you'd expect, like Nora. And um, there's a terrific segment about um, Radcliffe. She's an author, and she's also the woman who runs Bold Stroke Books. Mm. And there's also a really terrific segment uh, with Beverly Jenkins. She is the groundbreaking African-American historical romance author. Uh, I think she's like my new favorite person. She's <laughs> she's really funny, and she tells it like it is. Uh, and she's very passionate about her work and the history uh, of... Uh, African Americans in America, uh, which is what most of her books explore. Uh, she's also really passionate about her fans, and she has like fan weekends and like takes them on like tours and you know places where you know her her books uh, take place, that kind of thing. Anyway, um, it's really good. I highly recommend you check it out right now. It is streaming on Netflix. You can check it out there. Cool. We will link to that in the show notes. Anything on? Uh, gay romance in that, or is it romance just overall? It is, uh, like I said, a pretty general overview. Um, there were a handful of gay romance authored, authors featured, uh, like I said, uh, uh, Radcliffe mm -hmm. uh, kind of covers the ground for the lesbian romance segment. Uh, I believe James Buchanan uh, is interviewed. Uh, she shows up once or twice, uh, gay romance author, so yeah. Very cool. So I'm super psyched for some stuff that goes on Monday and Tuesday this week, as I think you are also. You're either super psyched or a little scared of it. I can't, I don't quite know which. Uh, well, I'm wary. You're wary. Yeah. So this Monday and Tuesday, Supergirl and Flash crossover in a musical episode that begins at the very end of Supergirl on Monday, March 20th, and then carries into Flash on Tuesday, March 21st, both at 8 o'clock Eastern. Uh, there will be songs from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend's Rachel Bloom, as well as La La Land's Oscar winners, Pasek and Paul. And of course, this is also a Glee reunion with Melissa Benoist, Grant Gustin, and Darren Criss, because Darren is on board playing Music Meister, who gets the whole uh, musical uh, shenanigans going. Exactly. Shenanigans indeed. <laughs> They've been very... Uh, guarded about what they've put out about this episode. We know it takes place in the 1940s. Um, Music Meister, as I understand from DC lore, usually whammies people to get them to figure out something that's kind of going on for them. So they have to play out the script in their head. And it's, it's bound to be kind of fun because all of the people who are in the shows that are musical, like John Barrowman and Victor Garber... Uh, Jeremy Jordan all have roles uh, in the musical part of the show. I'm psyched because a it is a Glee reunion, and you know, so why not? And you know, it's it's the supers singing, so that's got to be fun too. Now, why are you why are you hesitant? Because it is a Glee reunion. <laughs> no, not no, not for that specific reason. Um, uh, it's. Traditionally, things like this are stunts, and that's really all they are, other than, you know, like, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't think it will bring anything uh, artistic or poignant or anything to the shows themselves. 
It's like, oh, cute. Look, they're singing. Ha, ha, ha. I don't know. I'm, okay. Yeah, I'm not... Yeah. Mm, eh, it's Yeah, it's just like a sweep stunt. Remember sweeps? When they used to do crazy stuff like that? So, mm, I'm a little wary. Okay. We'll let you guys know, because we will certainly be watching it over the course of the week. So, we'll let you guys know next week. Another musical thing to talk about uh, that happened also this past week on March 13th. Uh, Broadway Backwards had its 12th installment. Uh, and it was held at the Al Hirschfeld Theater on Broadway. And the evening benefited Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS and the LGBT Community Center of New York, two of our favorite causes. Uh, I've seen a little bit of this on YouTube, uh, and we'll be linking to the playlist that they've got. Uh, Santino Fontana. Why did I do that to his name? Sorry. <laughs> um, who, of course, with Hans in Frozen, uh, channels his inner Elsa to sing Let It Go, which was pretty amazing. Uh, Cynthia Ervo, who played, uh, did I do that one wrong too? Look at your face, you're making it me. He wasn't Hans and Frozen. Yes, he was. No, he wasn't. San- Santino Fontana was the prince on Broadway in Cinderella. You're thinking of, um, uh, now I'm totally blanking. I think I get his name, I, I think I goofed up who he played. He played... The evil guy who tried to take over. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hans was Jonathan Groff. Yes, thank you. That's who I was thinking. And okay. the source I got that from originally does have it wrong, because Hans is Jonathan Groff. Yes, he is. Anyway, Santino channeled his inner Elsa, whoever he played actually in Frozen. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> Cynthia, who was uh, the Tony winner from the recent revival of The Color Purple, uh, channeled Cole House Walker Jr. to do an amazingly inspirational uh, Let Them Hear You. And Jay Armstrong Johnson and Andrew Keenan Bolger were so adorable doing 16 going on 17. Uh, there's a few other clips that I really hope they put out, but there's a nice summary clip in this uh, in this uh, playlist that I'll link to from YouTube. So check that out for some Broadway fun. Huh. <laughs> We've been chatty. Yeah. Uh, so I had the great privilege recently to interview Trish Barnaby. Uh, I have looked up to Trish uh, and her and her J.P. Barnaby uh, persona uh, since I started writing in the genre. I think we met her at our very first mm-hmm. GRL in Albuquerque. Yeah. Um, she has such a way with fans. She has such a way with the people that she works with. Uh, an amazing woman. Uh, she is just put out the final book of the Survivor series, which is called Sophie. And she's also saying farewell to J.P. as a part of this book. Uh, for reasons that if you follow her on Facebook, you already know, or you'll find out in this interview that we've got right now. I'm excited today to welcome Trish Barnaby to the podcast. Trish has written as J.P. Barnaby since 2009. She's published over two dozen books, including the Survivor series and the Little Boy Lost series. <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. And her dog Chase. is saying hello. <laughs> her specialty has been in recovery romance, with a, with a few erotic or comedic stories to spice things up. With the release of Sophie on March 15th, the Survivor Series wraps up, and Trish also says farewell to JP. Welcome, Trish. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Hi guys. <laughs> Do you want to introduce the dog as well? <laughs> yes, I guess. He's, you know, kind of a attention hog. His name is Chase, and we adopted him from a rescue in July. He has been a uh, a challenge. Let's Let's just put it that way. <laughs> But, but he's adorable. That he that he, uh, he he got his degree from from obedience training or something, right? 
Uh, yes. So when we first got him, Chase is, I wouldn't say he's aggressive. The, the trainers call him a bully. He wants you to play with him. And if you don't play with him, then he gets upset. So um, we took him to training with the rescue place, with the rescue people, and that just did not work for us. So we took him to immersion training in February and actually left him with the training company for 10 days. And he has done so much better since then. Um, but he's still getting used to the sounds in the new apartment. Mm-hmm. Right. That makes sense. But you, know, you got to check out and you know be aware of everything that goes bump. Yeah, Paul barks too, but you can't hear him right now. <laughs> so let's dive in with the new book tell us about sophie and where this finds aaron spencer and the cast of the survivor series okay so sophie actually came from a conversation i was having with rowan speedwell and i am a huge fan of finding zach i mean you saw zach in uh, spencer she was kind enough to let me borrow him for a scene and We were talking one day and I said that Zach and uh, David should find a kid like in an alley, a homeless kid and take him in. And, you know, you would see how Zach, because of what happened to him, would not be able to deal with having the responsibility of a child. And she said, "Um, no. So I said, how about if I ghostwrite it? She said, "Um, no. So, (laughs) you know, I'm like. "Okay, I can do this. We'll, We'll give Aaron a kid because, you know, that's always fun. So um, in Anthony, which is the book right before Sophie, it's about Aaron's little brother, Anthony. We see Aaron coming to Anthony's apartment in Detroit and Spencer is not with him. And, you know, so real quick, hey, where's Spencer? Oh, well, Aunt Nell had a baby. And, and the last line says, and her name is Sophie, which set up Sophie's book because I knew that that was coming. That was going to be the last one that would wrap up the series. Mm-hmm. So where we find Aaron and Spencer and the gang at the end of um, Anthony is that Anthony has moved to Detroit. And that's so there's three brothers, Anthony, Alan and Aaron. They're three A's. Alan is married and they had a little boy, Tony. You'll meet him in named after Anthony. You'll meet him in Sophie. And Anthony is living in Detroit with um, with Bren. And Patrick, well, not with Patrick, but, you know, they're all there together and he's going to school and they're all doing really well. And at the beginning of Sophie, um, Aaron and I'm sorry. Yeah, Aaron and Spencer have settled and they've got their routine and um, Aaron is working for the college. Uh, He's still assisting this professor and Spencer is back to working for the company that he was working for before, only he is in an extension office. They are in the suburbs so that, you know, they don't have to be so far apart. Michelle is doing well. That's Aaron's mother. You know, she's thrilled at having a grandchild. <laughs> she she takes care of Tony. She, she kind of bullied Alan into moving back so that she could take care of her only grandchild. And uh, you see Jordan and Sophie. Um, Jordan was from Spencer. He's the friend that Aaron met over the support group. So you'll see a little bit of him in uh, Sophie as well. And they have a little girl, Jordan and the woman that he met. Nice. It sounds so, like this is headed to be a, a a nice put a bow on top of the series. Yeah, it really is. Um, so with Aaron going through and writing Aaron, 
I'm, I'm sure everybody knows by now if they followed me at all or read my blog, I am Aaron. So, um, you know, we got to the point where, you know, Aaron is settled with Spencer and, you know, he's still having problems with depression, but, you know, he's seeing that there is a light and it's not a train. And not this past December, but the December before last, um, my doctor put me on a new medication for depression and it just, it clicked. I mean, it really did. I have never had anything work on my depression like it has. And that's one of the reasons that I had to retire as JP because I can't get into that anymore. I can't get into Aaron's head anymore. I can't get into characters like Aaron because I don't go to that, you know, those dark extremes like I did when I was writing that series. Okay. So, um, it's also not a secret that I met a wonderful man. Um, we have been together for about 14, 15 months. We just moved in together. And so because I was getting my happily ever after, I was getting my life to be where I wanted it to be. I wanted to give that to Aaron too, because Aaron is a huge part of me. So um, that's what Sophie is. Now he has to have a challenge to get there because otherwise, you know, if there's no conflict, there's no book. So right. <laughs> we had to give him, we had to give him kind of a curveball in the form of a toddler. So was this book because you were in this better place personally more difficult to write or did it write itself easily is not the right word, you know, cause it's never easy to write the book. But did it go okay, I guess, for lack of a better word, to write this because you were in a happier place and the characters were in a happier place? Or did you have to kind of dig to the dark a little bit to get it to that happy ending? So I can tell you that out of the five books in the Survivor series, the hardest one for me to write was actually Anthony. Because um, I started that book, I got about 40,000 words into that book. And then I started sending it to my beta readers. Hey, what do you think? Isn't this awesome? Blah, blah, blah. And my friend Jody, who a lot of you have met, came back and said, oh, huh. I really thought he'd end up with the brother, meaning Bren. Ah, oh, crap. Yeah, you're right. That would work a hell of a lot better because, you know, Anthony would have to deal with someone who has those types of problems that his brother has. You know, he resents Aaron for screwing up his childhood. And now he's he's going to fall in love with somebody that's a lot like Aaron. I'm like, God damn it. So, <laughs> so I went back and, you know, rewrote it. And I was able to cannibalize a lot of it because it was still in the beginning formative stages. But um, it came out to be a much better book be because of her. And it's actually dedicated to her and thanks for that but um Aaron was not terribly difficult for me to write because a lot of it was you know just it just poured out Spencer was the same way Ben was the same way but Anthony was a bear Sophie I'm not really used to writing things that are <laughs> and I, please god excuse this phrase but happy fluffy um, because, you know, a lot of my is recovery romance and they, they work for their, for what they're getting. And I'm not really used to writing stuff that's, you know, happy and sunshiny. And it was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. We kind of got that in Anthony. Anthony wasn't a hugely conflicted book. 
yes, Anthony had damage from, you know, the way that he grew up in his childhood, but he was a cute, snarky little thing. And uh, <laughs> I had a lot of fun with his sense of humor. Very cool. And we have to give really a shout out to your cover artist on the Survivor Series. Too. Oh, the Sophie yeah. cover is so gorgeous. Uh, I love Sam so much. <laughs> right. Sam, who goes by Angsty G uh, on the Dream Spinner site for the cover art. Yes. Uh, and there's actually a reason for that. So Sam and I were both in the, forgive me, Twilight fandom. Um, I started out by writing Twilight fan fiction because I read Twilight and I said, you know, I can't do any worse than this. So um, I was writing fan fiction. Sam was also writing fan fiction. She is an incredible author. Um, and she was also doing these really cool banners for all of these stories. So when I decided to go ahead and traditionally publish, um, I, I went to her and I said, Sam, your stuff is so beautiful. Will you come do covers for me? And she said, sure. So Aaron and, and let's see, there's a whole list of books that I actually paid her to do. And then we submitted to the, um, to the publisher. So I actually own the rights to those book covers. Aaron is one of them. And um, when Dreamsfitter saw what Aaron, what Sam was doing, they're like, hey, why don't you come work for us? <laughs> so she got it. She now does um, cover art for other authors at Dreamsfitter because she is just incredibly talented. So here's a story that you, you probably don't know. So Sam did the cover for my December release called Love's Opening Night. Yay! And in, it's a gorgeous cover. I mean, she nailed it from the first get-go. I don't think I... She gave me three variations, and I picked I picked one, and I don't think I had any commentary back on it. But <laughs> yes. she actually told me, I think in the very first email, that she doesn't normally do the light, fluffy contemporaries. <laughs> yes. And I said back to her, you nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. Um, so maybe you should do some fluffy contemporaries going forward. Sam works very well when you let her work. So for people that come to her and say, okay, I want this, I want this, I want this to be blue, I want this to be green, I want this, I want this, I want this. She works much better when I give her a picture, say, see this pretty boy? Do something with him. I don't even think I came to the table with pretty boy. I think I just filled out the form and said, here's what the story's about, here's what the guys look like. Go for it. Oh, I, because of the cover, or the cover models that I had, I was right. always sending her a boy like Anthony is my friend Cody. And I'm like, here, here's your boy, you know. And then um, Shay Connor actually found the the art for Sophie. The and Sophie art is, is, is gorgeous, a little bit haunting, and a little bit hopeful. And there's so much in her face. Mm-hmm. Shay did an incredible job finding that picture for me. Yeah, kudos to all of them um, for, for doing that. Um. You've talked about this a little bit in talking about Sophie, but you have been fairly open on Facebook that, you know, Sophie is the final JP book mm -hmm. and you're not, you know, you're now that you're in your happy place, these books, the recovery romance, doesn't come quite like it did before. Are yes. you done writing or just these kinds of books or what, what's the future look like? 
Okay, so there are two reasons for um, me retiring as JP. The first is because JP has a very specific branding. Mm-hmm. Um, JP writes recovery romance. She writes, <laughs> we used to call it emotional terrorism because, you know, you read Aaron and you come out at the end of that book as a different person. I mean, you really do, especially if you listen to it. That narrator, um, Tyler Stevens, was just haunting. There are people that could not listen to the to the audiobook just because you can actually hear Aaron in his voice. But so the first reason is that, you know, I don't want to write those books anymore. And JP is very specific. So if I wanted to write, say, sci-fi, they would be looking at a sci-fi book through the eyes of what JP has already done. So retiring JP because of that specific branding. The other reason is because my life has gotten really damn busy. (laughs) I work full time. Um, I manage websites for a property management firm and we just moved. And now I'm trying to get used to, um, you know, taking care of a house with, you know, Paul and his son is living with us and we're training the dog and, you know, things just got very, very busy all of a sudden. So do I still write things on scraps of paper? Yes, yes, I do. Do I still develop characters in my head and jot notes? Yes, I do. So am I going to do something else at some time? Yes, I probably will. And um, more than likely, I will go ahead and go on to Trisha's Facebook and say, hey, you remember that JP chick? Why don't you go check out this person? You know, (laughs) I don't foresee that very soon, but there are a couple of things that, you know, are going in my head. One of them is an apocalyptic story. Um, I have kind of a het romance thing going in my head and eh, we'll see. We'll see how ambitious I get. I'm actually very lazy at heart. (laughs) (laughs) Having met you, I find that surprising that you're lazy at heart. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I've also become completely addicted to um, Food Network. So, you know, that takes up a lot of my time just hanging on the couch and watching Chopped and Beat Bobby Flay. And <laughs> that is what Thursday night is. Watch Big Bang Theory and then move right over <laughs> to what's going on at Food Network. I, um, I only recently learned how to cook. So, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm trying to, I gotta, now I have a KitchenAid machine, I have a food processor, and I actually kind of know what to do with them. I have so. loved seeing those posts on <laughs> Facebook of your adventures cooking. <laughs> and they so. seem to turn out fairly well. Uh, yeah, except the, there was one cake. Oh, my goodness. This was the most ugly cake you've ever seen in your life. And uh, the frosting was really, really overly thick. And it, we called it the ugly cake. So, yeah, I, I have had some disasters. <laughs> but um, mostly it's ter- I haven't killed anybody. Mostly it's turned out well. That's a plus. So how has the reaction been to your fans since you talked about retiring JP? So because JP didn't retire because of the insanity of the genre or because she was angry with somebody or, you know, as a negative kind of thing that I was retiring because I was happy, I got an overwhelmingly positive response. Um, Lots and lots of people, you know, we're going to miss you. We're going to miss your writing. We're going to miss your books. We're going to miss your characters. But we are so happy for you. And it was really funny because um, where did William go? It must have been GRL. And because William and I are so close and everybody 
knows that we're so close. All of these people are coming up to him and, you know, telling him how much they're going to miss me and blah, blah, blah. And he said to me, he's like, you would think that you died. <laughs> they were having your eulogy at GRL. <laughs> well, you were such a fixture there, particularly the first few, I mean, the first years that I was there, you know, stepping into panels if somebody didn't show up and you had you had this tribe and you had just this presence um that was pretty amazing and and to see that in the genre you know as i first started going to grl was really good to see that 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 kind of thing could be built up you know within our genre i think it was the body painting were you in atlanta oh yeah the body <laughs> painting was was awesome um but even going back to Albuquerque, which I think is it was the first one that I'd gone to because I'd missed the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just awesome to watch you do your thing and to you, you were one of the people that I, I I wanted to learn from to do to know how to do this this thing that you do when you go to a con. <laughs> which is so funny since I'm so socially awkward. Um, to give you an example of that, when we were in Atlanta. I have start out with I have phenomenal friends. I mean, they are just amazing. They pulled together for me for that event like you would not believe. But um, we were in the room getting ready for the body painting event. And when I showed up in Atlanta, I had three guys and my iPod with a speaker. Right. By the time that event started, I had eight guys and a DJ. (laughs) They just pulled together for me so, so well. But um So we're in the room, everybody's getting ready. Um, All of the people are outside. So it's just my friends and I getting the room ready and everything. And I am freaking out. I am absolutely terrified. (laughs) And then I go over and um, I open the door to see how things are going outside because Joyfully Jay was going to pass out these postcards. And I look outside. The first person in line to get into this event is Jordan Castile Price. I'm like, oh, oh my God. And then I look down and there is a line all the way down the hall and around the corner. I'm like, I'm going to hyperventilate and then I'm going to pass out. So I'm just going to go ahead and close this door. <laughs> <laughs> and then at that point, you walk over to the trunk and you open it up and you pull JP out and you put her on and you zip her up and you just do what you need to do. And that's what, that's how I got through those events was pretending to be a completely different person. Mm-hmm. And I, I can see that now having seen you at dream spinner last year, the dream spinner author conference and how, you know, Trish was this very happy person. I could, I could see the two different personas for the first time. And it was awesome to see you that happy. And people, you know, they don't really believe that. They don't really believe that I I was really not a whole lot like JP. (laughs) So I would never on my own go to like the Hustle Ball and the Grabbies and Gay Days. You know, I I really, really had to um, had to step into that persona so that I could I could even do it. Howard Andrew was a huge instrument in allowing me to do that because he would invite me to all of these events and he would put me right in the forefront and kind of like go at the end of the pier and push me up into the water. <laughs> do you miss that aspect or will you miss that aspect of, of JP or is it is it better now to just be Trish? Um, I have turned into a glorified housewife. 
so I really like, I'm a homebody, you know, I like being at home. I like, um, you know, keeping house. I like, (laughs) I'm such a non-feminist feminist, but, um, I had a lot of fun at those events, mostly because when I grew up, especially in high school, I was bullied badly. That's where Brian came from in the little boy Lost series. And I went from being the girl in the corner who never talked to suddenly being a, one of the popular kids, you know, all of these guys would hang out with me and they knew who I was. And it was the weirdest feeling I've ever had in my life. You know, just sitting there next to Ryan Rose, who is this, you know, six foot four expert, sorry, former Marine. And he's huge and he's beautiful. And, you know, he calls me once in a while and talks and it's like, "Ah, when did this happen? When did this become my life? You know? So I will miss helping these guys figure out how to do what they do because being a porn star is incredibly difficult. I mean, it it sounds like it's easy, but it's just like us. It's just like when we get reviews and it's like, Oh, you know, I'm a terrible person. And, you know, whatever, these guys get all these comments on their bodies, because they're completely exposed, they get all these comments about what kind of person they are. And it's, it's awful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will miss that part of it. I'm still friends with a lot of these guys. But um, <laughs> going out to the insanity of these events? No, I won't probably miss that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot to be said for staying at home. I completely agree with you on that. I have seen some of the most bizarre stuff. It's just, uh, do people really do that? <laughs> you could write a book about that. The, I think the most bizarre experience was getting up on stage at the Grabbies. And if you don't know what the Grabbies are, they are the porn awards that happen in Chicago Memorial Day weekend. It's the big one. It's it's like the Grammys. That's what they call the Grabbies. Getting up on stage and giving out an award as JP in front of thousands of people. That was probably the most bizarre thing that I did <laughs> as JP. That's a story for the ages, though. Yes, I gave out Best Fetish Extreme. And it's really funny because they gave me that because they're like, oh, let's, let's let the girl hand out the, the Best Fetish Extreme, <laughs> not realizing that I was into the lifestyle. Going back to the Atlanta body painting event, that <laughs> event not only was, you know, entertainment for GRL, but you also raised money for an agency that advocates for Atlanta's LGBTQ youth. Now, you've been pretty fierce in that space. Uh, what, what got you involved there, and, and how do you recommend for our listeners to help with that cause? Um, for some reason, I've always been drawn to Atlanta. That's probably why I moved here. And the first time I was here, somebody was telling me about Lost and Found. Oh, it was the guy from the the local bookstore. Because every time I came down here, I'd go to the local gay bookstore and sign all of their stock for them. And he was telling me about Lost and Found Youth. Um, It's no secret that I had a little girl who had a heart transplant. She passed away. And I would give anything to have her back in my life. And for parents to say, you're gay get out of my house is just abhorrent to me. I just, I can't even process that because it's like, what the hell is wrong with you that you would throw your kid out of the house for something that they can't even control? You know, it's, they're not a drug addict. They didn't choose this. They didn't choose to, 
say, oh, hey, you know what? I would really love for 90% of the population to not like me. So when I found out about this organization, um, I donated, I think the first thing I did was donate a Kindle to them with a whole bunch of books on it. And then I got involved with them on that kind of level. And we did the body painting. And then I went to Elizabeth. I think the second thing we did was give all the kids at Lost and Found Youth that were in residence a Kindle Fire to help them, you know, find jobs and stay connected and all this. That was Dream Spinner. And then um, they put together a library for Lost and Found Youth. We sent them like 500 books. Um, but what I really wanted to do was we decided when um, Harmony Inc. came about, uh, they were looking for books for kids for Harmony Inc. And we decided that the Little Boy Lost series really was a coming of age story. It really was more of a YA kind of series. So we translated um the Little Boy Law series into the Waiting for Forever series for YA. And I told um, Elizabeth, I said, I these books are to help kids realize that they are not alone. You know, they read The Hunger Games, they read Twilight, they read um, the Veronica Raw series, Divergent. They read all of these series and they don't see themselves in there. They are completely invisible because there aren't any gay characters. So... Um, you know, I said, we're going to we're going to translate this into YA. I don't want to make money off of these because that's not what this is for. This is for helping these kids. So I said, you know, we had to work with the lawyers and we had to work with the accountants and we had to figure out how we could donate 100 percent of those royalties to Lost and Found Youth without it affecting my taxes. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, Schedule C, everybody knows that you can't take off um, charitable deductions. You have to have some kind of, um, you have to do it based on your, uh, your standard deduction. And I don't have enough standard de deductions to not take the standard deduction. So, but, um, so we had to figure out a way to do this and we were able to do it. So all of the royalties for every Jamie Mayfield book goes to Lost and Found Youth. I think we're at something like $4,000. That's awesome. And, you know, hopefully it's doing some good that they're, because this, what they do is they take in kids off the street, gay kids off the street, and they help them. They help get them their social security cards because, you know, their parents throw them out. It's not like they're going to say, oh, here's your birth certificate. Here's your social security card. You know, make sure you take these with you, honey. Mm -hmm. And... So help them get their IDs all set up, help them finish school, help them get into college, help them find jobs, help them, you know, be able to stand up after their parents, you know, just threw them down. Yeah, the the, the agencies that do that, I, I have so much respect for them. Um, and I encourage our listeners to really find the ones in their local area, if there's one, or donate to lost and found in Atlanta or alley 40 center in New York, or <laughs> that's another big one, you know, whatever's around them to really help, uh, this, what continues to still be a problem today, even though we're in 2017. Yeah. And I'm sure that in our current political climate, it's not going to get any better and don't get me started on, <laughs> <laughs> I have, I have, unfriended so many people on facebook since the election <laughs> yeah it, it's 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 rough times for sure for sure so um what's the best way for people to keep up with you online as you're 
as, as JP wraps up and just to know if, if Trish releases anything new or if they want to keep up with your adventures in cooking. <laughs> All of that is on Facebook. Um, I'm the only thing I use Twitter for right now is to yell at companies that make me angry. Um, hey, you lost my surface, you know, things like that. But they can always friend me on Facebook. I'm just Trish Barnaby on Facebook. You can always, you can also search for JP because it says formally, the artist formally known as JP or something. So um, just friend me on there and keep an eye out. And then once, if I decide to go ahead and, and put something out, um, you know, they'll have their own website and Facebook and, you know, all of that. And I will make sure that that's all connected so people know that they can follow me there, even though, you know, especially if I write something you know, apocalyptic, it, it's not going to be a gay romance. So I can totally understand if the people that are currently reading my stuff look at that and go, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but they might also want to just, you know, see what you're doing. You wouldn't be the first author to, to cross the genre line. And before I thought, you know, well, I'm going to write something else. You know, maybe I'll just go ahead and keep the JP name. But, you know, it, it, JP's branding is just so specific. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would. I, I agree with that. It, it was very specific what JP did. And everything, nothing else would fit there quite right. And even the Working Boy series. I mean, yeah, that was fun that I did for um, Wild City. You know, they asked me to come write for them. So I wrote them some fun little, you know, Working Boys books. But, I mean, if you really read those books... It's about these boys who, you know, are trying to make their lives better. So, I mean, there are some serious undertones to those books, even though they're just fun kind of porn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> fun, and fun porn is the best porn, really. Right? Nobody likes depressing porn. So, we wish you all the success with Sophie and, and much continued happiness. Thank you very much. And, and thank you so much for spending a little bit of the Farewell JP tour with us. Absolutely. And there is actually a JP Farrell tour. Um, Indigo is putting that together because, you know, my William. And we have five stops starting the day that the book comes out, which is March 15th. Okay. So keep an eye on Indigo Marketing and they will tell you where all the stops are. And yes, I actually finished writing those posts. Um, so he wouldn't yell at me anymore. <laughs> we will link to uh, Indigo in the show notes for that so people can catch it uh, when this comes, can start following those when this comes out on the 20th. Thank you. And obviously, I'll put those up on my Facebook page, too. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Want to hang out with us between shows? Check us out on Facebook. You never know what we might post. News about book sales, bonus video content, and maybe even a live broadcast or two. Like us today at Facebook.com slash Big Gay Fiction Podcast and see what we get up to next. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Coming up next week in episode number 77, we have Tammy Middleton. She'll be here to tell us about the massive auction she's got going on for Autism Awareness Month. Yes, indeed. One of her one of her passion projects, and it's bigger and better than ever this year. Yes. Look forward to it. Yes. That'll do it for this week. As I said before, I don't know why I just said that again. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> until then, please keep reading, and we'll talk at you next time. For detailed show notes and the complete episode backlist, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday on all major podcast distributors and YouTube. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. 